1: Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Rupal Patel. She is the founder and CEO of Vocal ID, a voice tech company that provides AI generated voices with personality. Vocal ID's award winning technology leverages the latest advances in machine learning, signal processing, and voice analysis, along with the company's crowdsourced voice bank. To create inclusive, diverse, and brand-aligned voices for organizations and individuals with special needs. I know I hate that voice, that robotic voice when you dial a number or you try to connect to your, your physician's uh, office or even if you're doing a training video. It's annoying and it feels like it, it lacks effort. RuPaul and and her team didn't like it either and they felt there was an opportunity to get beyond just content and focus on delivery. And uh, the technologies here, we just have to create the awareness. She began her career as a speech clinician, where she became fascinated with the potential of using speech tech and technologies for assistive communications, which then led to a doctorate in speech science. Uh, Her interdisciplinary research applies empirical evidence about speech motor control to develop novel communication technologies. She's currently on leave from Northeastern University, where she's a tenured professor, and also uh, she does uh, computer science in the Department of Communication of Sciences and Disordered. She's been named the top 11 visionaries in voice in 2019 by voicebot.ai and Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. She's been featured on TED, NPR and major international news and technology publications, and today on the Outcomes Rocket. So it's such a privilege to have you here, RuPaul. So glad that you're able to join us.
0: Thank you so much, Saul. Thank you.
1: So tell us, uh, RuPaul, what is it that got you focused on, on voice and for the audience that we have here today in, in healthcare, voice in healthcare?
0: Yeah, so I'm a speech scientist and I've been interested in what people with severe speech disorder can still actually do with their voice. I find it is one of the ways to think about this is when people have speech disorders it's, you can look at the glass half full or you can look at it half empty. And I think that there's a lot of residual motor control that these individuals still use and want to communicate through voice no matter how impaired their speech is. And so we really started to think about, well, can we harness that capability? Even if you can't understand what the words are, can you harness their individuality and tailor their assistive communication devices such that they don't all have to sound the same? Because voice is identity. It's such an important part of who we are that we wanted to capitalize on that and give people a unique voice for their communication modality.
1: I think it's such a, such a powerful work that you've dedicated your life to, Rupal. And I'm curious how you and what applications there are in the, uh, in the medical sector.
0: There are actually a number of applications. So what we started off with in, is, is creating unique synthetic voices for people who have to rely on assistive communication devices. So imagine a child on the autism spectrum or someone who has cerebral palsy who's unable to use their natural articulators to communicate and have to type out messages using either their fingers or switches or their eyes, whatever motor control they have to build together messages that will then be spoken aloud by the onboard speech synthesis. Many of those devices, they're sort of hardware software combinations they're clunky devices. We'll have an onboard voice, and up until recently, there's very few voices that people could choose from. And so what we were trying to do is make those unique to that individual, to the recipient, by taking whatever speech that they still could produce and and then finding a surrogate talker for them and blending what we call a bespoke voice for them that they could use on these devices. Because if you go into a classroom of a number of kids who have these special needs, you'll often hear the same voice yeah. coming from multiple directions, you know? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until recently where it was common practice actually to, to just have an adult male voice on people's devices, regardless whether they were a, a young girl or a grown up, boy or whatever. Right. And so mm-hmm. the problem was that, you know, you're giving them a prosthesis to communicate and yet you're kind of you're making it just this functional box. Whereas if you think about the differentiation of what our voices do for us in terms of our, our social identity, they, they didn't really have that access. And so that was our, our first group of individuals that we wanted to serve in the healthcare domain. As we, um, started developing this technology within within the company vocal ID. So vocal ID was initially a research project within my lab at Northeastern University and then in 2015 we spun it out to because we felt like that we could help more people if we could really commercialize the technology behind it. And we've gotten to a certain level within the university um, research that we were doing to be able to craft a voice. What we couldn't do was scale it, where we weren't able to really make a voice affordably. And as, as we've developed the tech more within the company, we have been able to make major gains along those lines. So our first population was people who never really had a voice or had very limited speech communication from birth. But what we found is that as we created these online platform for you to record your voice, for healthy talkers to donate their voice for people who couldn't speak and so on. We found that some people were coming to us saying, well, I know I'm going to lose my voice to head and neck cancer, or I have a progressive speech disorder, and I want to bank my voice for myself should I need it in the future. And that's become a really, I think, we didn't really think about that as a, a major application space because we felt like that already existed in some way. and It wasn't really, wasn't really rocket science. <laughs> so we weren't pursuing that initially, but I feel like that's one thing we've been able to really scale out because we can have people record their voice in their home in a quiet environment. And we've built out the platform to do that voice banking in such a way that it's, it's very simple to do. So now 27,000 people from around the world have contributed their voice to the voice bank, and many of whom are also losing their voice. So it's not mm. all 27,000 aren't those individuals in those conditions, but I do think that we're, helping that population too.
1: Yeah. I mean, just real quick, Rupal. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fascinating journey and starting with the kids in the classroom to people losing their voice. Voice is a very interesting thing. What would you talk to the listeners about as far as things that maybe they don't know? Like, you know, we had a chance to connect before the podcast. You talked about voice strategy, you know, and how people maybe aren't thinking about that. I mean, what are some nuggets that you could leave the listeners with around voice?
0: Yeah. So within the last couple of years, as the voice technology, uh, the synthesis technology has been improving, we've also been thinking about broader market applications within healthcare. So let's say you have a healthcare application where you're talking to, where the app will be speaking to, or the system will be speaking to someone with dementia. Now, if that voice was a familiar voice, maybe a family member's voice, the ability to trust the information that is being relayed to the patient with dementia might be increased, right? Or if you think about a pharmaceutical application where potentially there's the doctor or the pharmacist that is providing the, the content. So I think when you think about voice now these days, we're often thinking about how is it that the content within healthcare is, being, is reaching the customer at the, at the end points. It's either through text and more and more it's through voice because often these applications are relayed through a smart speaker or a device that speaks and so on. The voices cannot be generic because voice is identity, voice is trust, voice is convenience. I mean, there's a lot of things around voice that companies need to be thinking about from the get-go. Often, I think, not just in healthcare, but many times people think that it's the content that matters, like you find the right information that has to be relayed. That's true. Content does matter, but how it's delivered is critical to whether the consumer is going to believe it, understand it, trust it. All of those things are, are really important to the strategy. And I think, I, I hope that people are starting to think about that now.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know, the voice is here to stay as far as technology. I mean, you know, the other day, Rupaul, I was giving my son a, a bath and he's, he's two. Yes. And he grabbed one of his little characters and he's like, Corky, sing a Christmas song. <laughs> it's like, buddy, it's not Alexa, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you thought everything is, is going to be si- talking to him? <laughs> yeah, he's like, how
1: come voice doesn't come out of this thing? <clears throat> That's funny. And, <laughs> and the reality is that we're going to have more and more of that. It's become an expectation and how we handle voice for the populations that we're caring for the individuals that we're caring for at the at the physician level, and even at the enterprise level, if you're if you're building a solution uh, that's yes. based off voice, it is going to differentiate you absolutely in a big way.
0: Absolutely. And I think that that's really important. If you think about it, wh- why do human beings have different voices, right? We could all have had the same voice because if, if you just think of that voice yeah. is a functional thing, just an output, then we don't all need different voices. But we do because it actually helps us indicate everything from the hunter-gatherer phase to where we mm-hmm. are today. There's a differentiation between the size of your body will change your voice, whether you're you know, gender, socioeconomic class, your usage habits of your voice. All this differentiation actually then ends up being part of the social norms around how we think about voice too, right? So Mm -hmm. I think there's, I feel like voice is untapped really in terms of the health ecosystem. The other thing about voice is it's also a biomarker. So not just the voice coming at you, but also thinking about as we consumers interact with health-based technologies, our voice is saying something about our physical health, about our mental health, about our psychosocial health. There's a lot that is within voice that we don't fully utilize today.
1: I totally agree with you. And more companies are are coming out in that space as well. Ginger.io, for example, and there's others. But yeah, you, you're, you're so right. It's untapped. And what we could do with it is, is super interesting. So tell me a little bit about Maybe a a healthcare application that you guys have launched or or something that you guys have done in healthcare. Give me a story and how it's made a difference in outcomes or or quality of life or or even improving business for, for one of your customers.
0: So we're really early on with healthcare applications, I feel like healthcare in many ways is, I think, more lagging than the other verticals in terms of the adoption of unique and custom voice. Um, right now, uh, we've had many conversations, but what it often boils down to is that customers will think that, well, we'll just use Google or an Amazon poly voice, because really it's all about the AI behind whether we can find the right symptoms or tell people about whatever the condition is. and. We'll deal with voice later. This sort of thinking about voice as this functional thing that they'll slap on later is really missing this opportunity to connect. So, healthcare at the end of the day is about building a trust relationship with the customer. And you can't just do that with the, giving them the correct information or the appropriate information. It really matters. Like, what's that? Why does bedside manner? matter for physicians and for clinicians to develop over time. You can have the same clinician have the same amount of knowledge, but the one with the better bedside manner is the one that the patient's going to keep going back to and comply right. with and so on and so forth. It's really important. Soft skills matter. And I think it's about time that in healthcare, we start thinking about these soft skills as as vital, as opposed to just the accuracy of the content.
1: Well, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great call out. And what would you say today is, is one of the proudest accomplishments that you and the team have done with the business and the technology?
0: I think our proudest accomplishments has been uh, really to be focused laser focused on improving the quality of the synthesis. so there's a lot of asks when you talk about building out a synthetic voice and can you embed it within this device that is four year old technology or can you put it within our call our calling system? Um, or IVR system, sorry, and can it integrate. Oftentimes there's this reverse engineering into whatever legacy software that they're already using. But we've said, you know what? That will come, that's engineering. Our focus is on making these voices realistic sounding, making sure that the quality is high enough, because until that bar is met, the rest of it really doesn't matter. You can integrate all you want, but it needs to be something that is acceptable and usable. The other thing I'd say is with population of people with, with speech disorder that we've been helping, We have had to do the integration, and so they can't use it unless they can use it on their phone or a neuroassistive communication device. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is we've challenged ourselves with trying to really do this at scale. And I think that helps us bring cutting-edge technologies to people with disabilities, which is core thing about our mission. We don't think that people with disabilities should have access to second-class technologies. We think that they should be able to have access to the bleeding edge. And I'm proud of that. I think that we're we also need to have applications in the broader market in order to continue to sustain the kinds of development that we've done. But I think our team, small and nimble, has been really focused on improving
1: the quality of the synthesis. Love it, Rupal. And I'm a big audiobook fan and and I also enjoy podcasts and I'm wondering just kind of as a as a side thought on applications like can you give this technology the ability to quote-unquote read a book, to make it an audio book without somebody having to stand in front of a microphone?
0: (laughs) So I think there are good applications, like better sweet spot applications for synthetic speech as it is today. Uh So the newest methods of synthetic speech we would call in the realm of AI voices rather than traditional synthetic speech. So let me just give a high level primer about this. Um, So synthetic speech as we know it and the stuff that we are interacting with today is usually concatenative, meaning that it's glued together bits of pre-recorded speech. Mm. And of course, in the case of Siri and Alexa, they're really high-end versions of glued together synthetic speech. Um, So you have someone record a lot of speech, and then you cut their speech up into the elemental components. And then when you hear or when someone types in a word that is unknown or hasn't been seen before, such as my name, Rupal, and you want to figure out how to say Rupal, you have to find the ruff from rabbit and the ooh from Uber and the puff from somewhere else and glue those bits together and make it not sound like it's been glued together. That's what concatenative speech synthesis is. And most of the speech synthesis that we hear in our world today is concatenative speech synthesis. In the last 10 years or so, um, maybe a little bit longer, there's been a gradual development of new methods applying machine learning methodologies to speech synthesis. And again, you start with human recorded speech, Actually, you need a lot less of it in this case, but what you're doing is mathematically modeling that speech. You're not gluing together little bits of speech. You're trying to recreate or emulate that speech. So again, when you encounter a novel word, you can say it, but it's not from the concatenation of little elements of speech. It's actually from thinking about, well, what does the R sound like in the, or the R sound like in these different contexts and and kind of modeling that. So When you think about what the capabilities are in that way, you now are also modeling not just how the sounds are, but also the melody of speech, the cadence of someone's voice and so on. So what you can do with the newer methods of speech synthesis now is that you can build models of speech with less data and more economically than we've been able to do in the past. That also means we can have a variety of voices for applications rather than just saying we only need one voice for Mm -hmm. all of our IVR system. Think about what we've been doing. I mean, I think right now we're saying there is one voice associated with one brand. Problem is that your customer base is is much more varied. So
1: different, yeah.
0: Right, so if you're talking to all your customers in the same way, you're not necessarily resonating with all of them. So that's one thing that with these newer methods, we have the opportunity to change speaking styles, change the rate of speech, you know, elderly people might benefit from this the voice speaking to them in a little bit more slower way with more exaggerated prosody whereas someone who's younger and millennial can't wait for that thing to be finished <laughs> saying what it needs to say they don't want to wait to you know hear that prompt slowly and deliberately so I think it's important that we think about who we're talking to and how we're talking to them.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, very insightful and the features is bright. The two different ways of doing it through mathematics or I can't even know, I don't even know how to say it, concatenative?
0: Concatenative, yeah. The Con- concatenation. Concatenative, hmm. yeah.
1: fascinating. Piecing it together um, or, or through machine learning, there's some really neat things going on in the space. What would you say is, a, is an example of a, of a setback you've had, RuPaul, and 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 what did you learn from it?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many. It's a roller coaster when you're developing a company or in the, in this path. I think there are. I guess one of the biggest setbacks is really thinking about how we go from this niche application that we started with to then bringing that to the broader market, and it's also a new area, so. Often people don't know how they're going to use it. So there's a lot of tire kicking to figure out, well, can I use this voice application or will I just use something from that already exists? And so you you invest in trying to educate someone about what the capabilities of the new technology are. And then they're still kind of like, well, we'll just go with the default right now. Mm. So that's challenging. I think we're learning though. I think those are very, very important lessons for us because they help us to tell the story better, to craft the narrative better, and to understand the value proposition that we're proposing. This is really new frontier. So patience is, is going to be really important to get us to where we want to be.
1: Agreed. What would you say on the other side of that coin, uh, one of your proudest experiences or accomplishments with the technology?
0: i think in the last i would say in the last year the the cadence with which the improvements in the technology have been um have been realized within within the company have really helped us differentiate what we can do and so i think recently i created a sound sample as a demo which had both the synthetic voice of the individual as well as their pre-recorded, you know, the recordings that were used to create this person's voice. So We made a medley of a sample that included synthesized voice and pre-recorded sample in a paragraph. And I sent it to a customer and, the response I got back was, why are you sending me this file that's pre-recorded, you know, sample? Like, it's not all pre-recorded. It's actually partly synthesized, partly pre-recorded. And that was the first time they went, like, oh, that's what's possible now. And more recently, as I've been, when I give my talks, I kind of start the talks with playing samples and asking people if they can tell the difference between which one's synthesized and which one is pre-recorded and the answers recently are been have been kind of like 50 50s people mm-hmm. people don't know so yeah. that seriously wasn't the case a few years ago even like two years ago i would say that there was more disappointment than excitement and we would we would be excited because we've made this voice out of such little data and for such a economical scale that it was you know when you're like looking at the work that you do yourself and you're so proud and self-congratulatory and then you present yep. it to someone and they're like Oh, that's it? <laughs> so, um, so it's great yeah. now to go, to have that wow factor. And then I think also, you know, we're seeing that people are, are understanding it more, like what they could use it for. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah. Some big wins there, RuPaul, And and the journey continues. What would you say is the most exciting project that you guys are focused on today?
0: Oh, how can you pick one amongst all your favorite children, right? <laughs> what is the most exciting It's really hard. I think some of the work that we're doing around building a brand voice for companies where they're really thinking about everything from what should the persona be or what should the personas be for their different market segments. I think that's a real opportunity for us not to be only thinking about what we bring to the table in terms of the technology, the, the building of the the AI voice in the, at the end with the set of AI voices, but I think we're, we're very involved these days in the voice strategy and the early part of the designing of the personas, trying to understand, applying our knowledge of the psychology of different voices for different populations and for different segments of the market. I think that we're using our expertise both in the technical realm, but also in the scientific as well as uh, the clinical realms that we have have expertise in already. So I think that's really exciting to me that the com- it's the culmination of the skill set, the, ex- the domain expertise, but also the technical expertise that we're bringing to the table with a couple of the, the newer projects that we're doing these days. These are bigger projects that will take some time to roll out, but I'm excited about that, sort of seeing the full scale of that. Everything from testing out voices with the customer market segments prior to building out the voice personas, I think is thinking about this from beginning to end.
1: Yeah, that's really neat. And how about the rise in... Um- and voicing like passcodes. You know, I, I find that, that banks are doing this now. What are your thoughts on that? And I'd like to hear what you, what you think about that area.
0: Yeah, so actually a couple years ago, we were pursued by a large bank to create some voices uh, to see whether we could do some white hacking. So basically do some penetration tests to see if our voices, our AI voices, were going to be capable of spoofing the system because All these banks have started using voice authentication as a way to do accessing the system. And what they were worried about is because we were one of the vendors that was really creating synthetic voice so economically as well as quickly from very limited amounts of data, the worry was could you just scrape together voice content from the internet, create a voice, and then use that to then break into someone's bank account. So we took that on as, as a way to see where was the technology at that point. We actually were able to demonstrate for some voices that... We were able to get through the voice authentication system because those systems are meant to be barriers to the concatenative methods of synthesis, but couldn't deal with the fact that newer methods of synthesis are approximating the speech signal in a way that they didn't expect, right? Yeah. And, and so we showed that, and, and actually, for about eight months, we had this, we pursued trying to be able to create an offering for that for the financial market, which would not only do the pen testing, but also prevent the voices from being misused. So countermeasure technologies, we built a countermeasure technology and so on, and pitched it to these various different banks. And after eight months of sort of doing that, all of them wanting to have conversations with us because they knew that we were showing them something that they didn't know, but they have risk tolerance ratios in in these um, banks where, or asset management companies where unless the fraud level is high enough, they're not going to invest in this. And so if I go back to answering one of your questions from earlier, what was the biggest setback? One of the setbacks was following this pivot for a while, thinking that it was going to be our broader market application Mm -hmm. that we could use to then commercialize some of the healthcare applications that we were wanting to work on. It didn't pan out so well. And it it then led to some funding that we weren't able to get. So that was actually a step back for us. What we realized though, that we actually had to build in technologies uh, or ways in which to protect our voices from being misused. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really great learning. In fact, from there, we've developed this um, myself uh, or Vocal ID and another company named Modulate AI, which is also a synthetic media company in the Boston area, uh, have built this consortium called Aethos with the AI ethos. What we're trying to do is create a consortium of companies that are in the synthetic media space that are proactively thinking about misuses of our technology and building new technologies that can prevent that, creating awareness campaigns, working with government and policymakers, all of these things in order to make sure that these new technologies don't have these unintended consequences that we have to deal with down the road we can proactively think about managing them you know as we go so ethos has come out of that work which is great it's a very new consortium that we're building out but i think that there's going to be a lot of ethics when we think about voice for sure. especially for healthcare. we are going to be needing to balance privacy innovation and the ethical complications of what happens when the technology starts Becoming more realistic sounding, will that oh. erode trust? Will that, you know, complicate things? Uh, what happens to cognitively challenged individuals when they're trying to consume this information?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really big challenge, and uh, neat that you guys have started to tackle it. So. Then you guys pursued the bank route. So, what was the? I guess what what was the gap that led to it not happening? I guess I'm not clear on on what exactly was it that a threshold wasn't met, a high enough threshold, or what, why did it not work? Yeah, so it worked. It.
0: I mean, we were able to we were able to demonstrate that there was a gap in current voice authentication technologies for the newer methods of speech synthesis. So we were able mm-hmm. to demonstrate that. The reason that it didn't work in terms of a commercialization or a plan for that for us was because there isn't sufficient voice fraud right now for, oh, banks, for banks to implement the countermeasure solution. So, I mean, God. we can obviously do the penetration testing for them and show that here's the latest and greatest technology can get through and we can build all these different stopgap measures so that they don't get hacked. But for them, they're like, well, how realistic are voice hacks, right? How many people are trying to hack the insurance company's voice out systems, right? And the answer at that time, this is early 2018, was not enough.
1: Yeah, not, I'm which clear is, on it now. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it was it was more of a product to prevent, a countermeasure.
0: Yeah, it. it was a countermeasure. Got and it, they're like, well. It.
1: Thanks for know, clarifying that.
0: Yeah, we know that it, we're going to need it someday, but we don't need it quite yet, <laughs>
1: <Yep>. <laughs> which is
0: you know, and I think if we're t- talking about healthcare data, though, so it's one thing to have your your bank being broken into. Obviously, that's not a great thing, right? Your bank account being hacked. But now, if someone has access to your health records but because they can impersonate your voice, I think that there's the you can't get some of this data back, right? Right, um, right. Once it's
1: shared, uh, it's shared.
0: Yeah, and your voice is your fingerprint, and the way that they're using it for the voice auth systems, right? Mm-hmm. Your voice is your password. I mean, think about all the marketing that's being used around it. So it's not like you can just change your password. You can't just change your voice. <laughs> it's you actually can't. part of what's being used. So
1: you mean you can't you can't fit, change your voice, right? I mean, or can you?
0: We manipulate our voice to a certain degree, but you know those these authentication systems are robust to the way you say it as opposed yeah. to the signature of your voice, the fingerprint of your voice, right? The voice yeah,
1: print. Your voice is your voice.
0: Yeah. And so I think that it's really, I don't know that many insurance companies or even or banks right now that are thinking about this, but it's got to be on their radar. It I feel be. like it, it better be because otherwise they're going to be caught off guard and that's going to be a huge loss, not just monetarily, but you know, think about what are we going to do for these people whose voices have been hacked?
1: Oh right? my gosh. Yeah. yeah, Man, that's crazy. RuPaul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we could talk about this for hours. So um, let's reel it back in. <laughs> And uh, so I've got a lightning round for you and uh, we'll follow that with a favorite book and we'll we'll, uh, conclude. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. What's the best way to improve health outcomes with voice?
0: I think you think about the dimensionality of voice and think about where the touch points are with voice. I think that including a nuanced version of voice uh, or thought, a strategy around voice around what it can do for you, I think would be really important.
1: What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid with voice in healthcare?
0: Thinking about it at the end. Voice strategy should be part of the beginning of the design of the product.
1: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? And I'm thinking, RuPaul, like using voice. What do you do to differentiate yourself as a company?
0: We're constantly thinking about what are are the latest and greatest open source tools? What are the applications? What are the newer methodologies, what are ways this can be used, but still being laser focused on what we need to accomplish in the next three months, six months, and year. How do you think big, but still stay focused?
1: Yeah. Yep. Love that. And uh, what's the one area of focus that drives everything at your company?
0: Quality, quality of synthesis.
1: Doesn't get any better than and clearer than that. What book would you recommend to the listeners, RuPaul?
0: Just a fun book or a book around voice?
1: <laughs> you, you name it. Maybe one, one of each. A fun one and a voice one.
0: Okay. So in terms of voice, there's a new book coming out called Voice Technology in Healthcare. And the editors are Terry Fisher, Harry Pappas, David Metcalf, and Sandhya Porthri. And I think that that is going to be a really nice compilation of a variety of, of different technologies, but also applications for voice in healthcare. And then in terms of just other reads, I love this book by Jimpa Lahiri called Interpreter of the Maladies it's a little old but it's one of my favorites as well as The Alchemist if I could recommend too.
1: Love it some great recommendations haven't ha- I, I love The Alchemist but Interpreter of Maladies that sounds like a, an interesting one is it kind of like the uh, same feel as as The uh, Alchemist
0: No so The Interpreter oh. of the Maladies is some sh- it's short stories it's this brilliant writer Jimpa Lahiri who brings the sense of the individuals in the stories just to life with the amount of detail that she creates. And I think it's what I love about it is that each of the different characters has this, what I think of as I could hear their voice as she's, mm. as she's describing them. So I think it's, it's great to, as you're reading different texts these days or books, thinking about what that voice would sound like to you in, in your mental concept of the voice.
1: I love it. Great recommendations. And folks, you know where to go for the show notes. Just go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar type in RuPaul, and you'll be able to find all of the things that we've discussed today. RuPaul, leave us with a closing thought and uh, the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you or learn more about what you do.
0: The closing thought for me would be that we think about voice and identity in a way that is sort of all-encompassing. Don't think about just voice as a signal that's an output, but think about all of the different things that voice conveys. And I think that there is going to be more attention to voice in the future around this this concept. You can get in touch with us at vocalid.ai. If you're interested in banking your voice or sharing it with someone in need, go to vocalid.ai slash voice bank. And if you're looking for more applications for your product or strategy around voice, email us at hello at vocalid.ai.
1: Outstanding, RuPaul. Well, I really appreciate you and and the work that you're doing and so excited to, uh, to stay in touch with you.
0: Thank you so much, Saul. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast.